Folks, we are journeying through um, a whole series in the morning and the evening. We've taken some breaks. Uh, we're getting back to it tonight, journey through the book of 1 Peter. And we're looking at what it is to be exiles, to be in exile and to be an ambassador. And in the morning, we've been kind of mining that, going through the book of Nehemiah. We've been tracking through the book of Acts. And now we are in 1 Peter, or as Rachel says, First Peter. So we're in 1 Peter. Primarily because the Apostle Peter is speaking to people who are dispersed, and he's calling them to embrace the call that the, the Apostle Paul describes as the ambassadorial call. But for Peter, the way that he frames it is he describes it as a life of holiness. And it feels to me at the moment that what is going on in the kind of global church, not really I'm in any authority to say this, but it does feel like the Holy Spirit is cleaning up the church. It feels that things that have been going on under the surface for a long time, a very well-known organizer, and I'm not trying to knock, it feels I'm not, but I do feel the Spirit of God is saying enough. He's calling time when we've used power for our own advance, rather for the advance of the Lord. He's calling time when we reflect the celebrities that we're supposed to be different to. He's calling time on it. And so there's something I think that the, the Lord perhaps is wanting to say to us, that if we're going to love a city, if we're going to be a church that is for the city, what is it that the Spirit of God is saying to us today in Sheffield in May? And this is what I was thinking. Um, I think that who you become is more important than what you become. Who you become is more important than what you become. But, you know, we switch them around. Where the major focus of our attention can be, what am I going to do with my life? If I go back 21 years to when I first moved to Sheffield, the key burning question of that, that I was looking to answer in that moment was, what am I going to do with my life? What will I do? What role will I have? What job will I occupy? And you know, as I'm just praying for you guys going to A-levels, that sense of anxiety of A-levels, for me it was a while ago. In fact, I can't remember how long it was. Just that sense of returns, isn't it? Like, what am I going to do? Like, if you're a student here and you have spent a lot of money, when I went to university, we got a grant, or a grant if you're from the South, just translate for you. We got paid to be unbelievable. Now you pay eye-watering amounts of money and accrue eye-watering money. Just encourage you, this, just receive this encouragement right now. And you're gonna, what are you going to do with it? No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. And maybe your parents are like, what are you going to do? And you're like, I don't know. What are you going to do with your degree? And maybe you're in a job. And you're like, why am I doing this job? What am I doing here? I've just got all this debt. What's it for? Is this... Is this bring any fulfillment to life? Maybe it's the career that, my, like my parents really wanted me to become a primary school teacher. They still really want me to become a primary school teacher. Maybe you stepped into a career that felt like a great idea when you were picking your A-levels, where it's something your parents, and you're just like, I don't know if this is what I should be doing. Who you become 
is just, if not more important, than what you do. And so here is Peter describing to a number of churches that are scattered around Turkey. In verse 4, he says this, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to a holy priesthood. Just remember, so just remember if, you, if your memory is not great like mine or your detail is not your strong suit like me too, just remember stones. Not being stoned, folks, stones. And remember this, a holy priesthood. This is what he says, offering spiritual sacrifices, acceptable God through Jesus Christ. In verse 6 it says this, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but those but to those who don't, do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But listen to this, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness to his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So it's worth bearing in mind that Peter is primarily writing to two groups of people who have formed something called the church. And he's writing to two groups. The first group of people are people who have a Jewish, who are part, who have a Jewish background. So they're really familiar, and I'll come unpack this in just a moment. They're really familiar with the language that Peter is beginning to use. The second group of people are non-Jews, Gentiles, outsiders. Those two would never, in a million years, mix together. But as we know from the pattern through the New Testament, part of God's vision, a man called John Stott, who, was, um, who is dead now, but he was like the English Timothy Keller of his day, and he described the church as a new society. One of the great advantages of the early church was its radical difference, its holy life. That when pandemics hit the Roman Empire... There was something beautiful about the church because when other people cleared off, the church went the opposite way and got involved. There was something distinctive about the way that the church lived and about the way that the people in the church had relationships. There was something distinctive, the way that women were treated and the way that women were dignified and loved. And as opposed to a very, very difficult culture for women to operate in in Rome. There is a different way, the way the church viewed sex. That may be controversial today, but it was controversial then. The way that we looked at gender roles, the way that people lived together was radically different from the culture that was around at the time. And that was part of the beauty of the church. 
And now the church has been scattered to different places. And so Peter is writing and he's saying to the Gentiles and the Jews, remember your story. Remember who you are, not what you do. And he says this, remember the stones. In fact, Peter mentions stones about six times in this chapter alone. Why does he mention stones so much? Because Jesus is the foundational stone. Now, in Jewish life, in the middle of um, Jerusalem, the very epicenter of Israel, the very uh, the foundation, the kind of the epicenter where, is it, this, is it centrifugal where everything flows out? Is that right? Yeah? Yeah? got more degrees in here than a compass. I'm standing out and no one's helping me. Okay, let's go with it. So it's the, it's, it's the central place. And within the central place of the central city is the temple. Where God's presence dwells. And on it, in its corner, is a cornerstone. Right in the heart of of God's people, is the temple. And then Peter says, remember your story. Remember the time of the pilgrimages and the feasts where you would go back to that special place. Remember the time of God's faithfulness. Remember the time of his presence. And remember now that Jesus becomes that stone of which we place our lives. And then he says this, you are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. You know, every time God's people gather, we are told that when two or three are gathered in his name, that the presence of God is there. It is no longer in a special place, in a special city, only administered to by special people. But it is now present where two or three are gathered in his name. And you know where two or three are gathered in his name, God pours out his spirits and he gives people gifts and he's wired them wide to do what Jesus does. And so Peter is encouraging these people who are meeting in homes and he's saying, you are doing the thing that you are wired and designed to do. And the, the way that you are wired and designed is to be a holy priesthood. To be, to be set apart, to be different to the world around you, to look and reflect God. Well, where does that come from? It starts in the very, very beginning of the scriptures in Genesis chapter 1 where it says we are made in the image of God. What does that mean? It means that the priesthood was this, that, we, that priests would bear and represent God. So we are made to represent God. And there are two ways that that breaks down. That is our vocation. Sometimes people talk about, well, I've got a vocation. My wife is a nurse in the NHS. Hey. Hey, look, guys, it's, this, this night's going to go, I'll get off a lot quicker if you just work with me, okay? That's just, less, if you want me off, just work with me, okay? So it's a, people describe it as a vocation. Where it comes from the Latin word vocari. It means a calling. That is, our calling is to be a holy priesthood. What is a holy priesthood? A holy priesthood is to represent him, to reflect him. So, so Peter is saying, look, he's not saying this is what you need to do. He's not even starting there. He's saying wherever you find yourself, whether you find yourself in a good place, bearing in mind most of these people would be in places they didn't choose to be. 
Maybe you didn't choose Sheffield. Maybe Sheffield chose you. Maybe right now you're not sure what's going to happen. You're going to finish. You've got A-levels and you're praying you get the grades, but you don't know where you're going to go. Or maybe your course is going to finish and you think, if Alan Ward comes near me and talks about interns again, I am just, I am just avoiding that man. I'm just avoiding it because he's coming and because there's a big sign above my head and it says, I'm not sure what I'm doing. So I'm just avoiding him. I'm just not sure what I'm going to do. Or maybe you think, I don't want to be an insane because I don't know what those losers doesn't know what they're doing with their life. It's like, okay. Maybe you don't know where you're heading into. They didn't know what they were heading into. They're, they're described as exiles. They're a long way from home. So Peter says, this is who you are. In the place that you find yourself, you are called to be a royal priesthood. Your vocation is to bear, you are, you, you are made in his image. That is broken, folks, by sin. And as we move away from God, but as we're restored by Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, we step into our calling and our anointing, which is to be, to represent him. And the first way that we do that is embracing our calling into this priesthood because Peter describes it too. He talks about priesthood. Then he talks about royal priesthood. And there's two ways we understand that. It's firstly, is we are designed to worship the creator. Does that mean that we just, we, that we just sing songs all the time? Sam, it doesn't, mate. I'm sorry. You've got it wrong. It's part of it. It means the whole of our life is designed to bring worth it comes from the old English word to ascribe worth to. Our, our lives are to, to ascribe worth to God. It means that when we go to work tomorrow, whether you're a vicar, I mean, think about it, folks. It's one day a week you get a free house. I'll talk to you at the end. But it means that we, we approach God, we approach our work we, uh, to give him all. Yeah, but I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Well, you don't need to worry about that just for the moment because there is a greater call here, and that is to step into the royal priesthood of the anointing on our lives. Yeah, but I, what am I going to do? <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Who are you going to become? And that is to represent him tomorrow. Yeah, but I got year seven at nine o'clock. I'm representing the other guy with them. I tell you, they're a nightmare. <laughs> well, try and pray beforehand. I know what you've got to do. Yeah, but you don't know my boss. No? <laughs> I've worked for some characters over the years. Might be God's trying to work some character there. Yeah, but the culture's terrible in my workplace. Yeah, okay. So if you're a real priesthood, how are you going to change it? Yeah, but what? It's a dead end job. I'm just waiting for the big time. No. You're, you are a priest, a royal, part of the royal priesthood. We don't just sing on a Sunday our favorite songs. It means tomorrow we still love him and still honor him and give him everything wherever we are. That means for me, at 20 to 9, when I'm storming up the hill with my son behind him on the scooter, and I'm not praising Jesus then because I'm late, it means I'm walking to school thinking, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to speak today? 
Who's here today who I can connect with because you, Jesus, are on the throne? Who is it you, who is it maybe needs healing? Who is it that needs an encouragement? Because you have an assignment for me, Lord. And that starts with worship and giving him everything. And then the other aspect of that is we are called to a royal priesthood. Now, if you're a Republican here, I'm not going to make a gag like I normally do. It means that we are to, 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 to seek justice and to seek wisdom. That's what it means to be royal. It means that, that we are laboring for the city to bring change and transformation. This is very, very similar in Jewish thinking to Jeremiah chapter 29, where we're called to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. We talked about that loads, folks. We've done it to death. But it means this, that Jeremiah is writing to a place, to a people who don't want to be where they are. My eldest daughter's was like, I hate school. I'm like, you got to go. Well, I hate it. I know, but you just got to go to it. Can you, can, we, can you homeschool me? No, we tried it. We are not going back there. Oh, no. No, we are not. We are not going back there. We're to work for justice, to bring change, transformation. Maybe tomorrow you're in a job and you don't know what you're doing. You don't know why you're doing it. We'll go back to the way you're wired. Maybe um, my wife will come out. She's in there. She'll, I haven't, <laughs> she'll say, I haven't had lunch all day. Maybe that's you in the NHS, and you're just on your feet all day. And you're like, this ain't fun. And you think, well, maybe, how are you, how are you wired? Well, maybe you, part of the way God has wired us is to reflect his character. Well, it seems to me that God is into healing. So maybe you're a medic, and you're working that shift, and you're in that hospital. Please, God, let nobody die. Why am I here? Because you're there in your anointing as part of the priesthood, in that place for such a time as this, to bring blessing and life. Yeah, but what am I going to do? No. Who is it you're going to become? And as we, as a church, love our city, we're to pursue justice, we're to see transformation, we're to see change, and we are to operate with a godly wisdom. Peter goes on to say, describing who you are, scattered in places you don't want to be, maybe in jobs that you don't really want to be in. And he says this, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. Okay, what is an exile is somebody who's not living in home. We're, in some sense, we're all exiles. Ever since Adam and Eve left the garden, we have all been exiles. Longing for home. I am not from the city of Sheffield. I first played proper mate where I'm from. And occasionally I go home to see my mum and dad. It's like, I'm home. I hear a familiar accent. It's like, ah. Oh. And they can never understand me if I try and speak back. They think, you've changed, you've got posh. A long way from home. He says, I urge you as foreigners, people for whom are living in a different place. They feel a long way from home. He says, abstain from sinful desires. Alan Ward is going to do a seminar this week. You're all to, what are sinful desires? And he's going to go through great detail. That is a joke. You're all very serious. I'm just pressing on. It says this, which wage war against your soul. And then he listens to this, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So, so here's the thing. Sometimes Christians feel that their job is to antagonize, 
to, to, to be in the city centre shouting, repent. And you know, I honour those guys because they've got more courage than me. And there are some people who are called to street preaching. I'm not knocking that. But here's the thing. He says, for, he says that, you, that you live in a way that you live in good lives among pagans, that they accuse you of doing wrong, that they see that you're different. Somebody, my mate Will, who is a doctor, goes to the well, called Will. That's confusing. He gave us a car once. Amazing. It was great. Little Ford Ka, as you call it. Fantastic. And um, I remember my neighbor, she, she, she's, um, she's not alive anymore, Pauline, and she was... She, she, was born in, she was born in that house, and she was crooks born and bred. She, and, and she told you what she thought all the time, whether you asked her or not. So you just had to, just had to brace yourself. I remember one day we were washing the car. She said, why are you washing the car? And I said, because we're going to give the car away. And she said, why are you going to do that? I said, well, somebody gave it to us. And she said, well, why don't you sell it? Make some money. And I thought, well, it's a Ford cat. It's very odd. I don't think we will make a lot of money. <laughs> give it to my in-laws. And she said, well, why are you selling it? Because somebody gave it to us. So we just want to pass it on. She's like, you're weird. And I thought, well, yeah, it might be weird. But it's like, why would we want to make money out of it? Somebody's given it to us. That's the only holy thing we've ever done, folks. The rest has just been downhill since then. But it's how do you do it's like, it's like knocking on your neighbor's door to give something away with nothing in return. To maybe... It, to, to be, I was thinking about this in the week. Like, hands up if you think we're, we're facing an eco catastrophe. Raise a hand. Okay, there's quite a few people. So I was thinking, wouldn't it be good if we clean the streets more? Because it's sometimes when I'm walking my dog after bin day, particularly student areas. Okay, not. But the bins are out. I thought, wouldn't it be great if if we if if we love the city and we love the environment, we pick up the litter. Why? Because we want to live in a way that worships him and brings glory to his name. And then in verse 13, he says this, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Now hang on a minute. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to contend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. So Peter, writing to the church, he says, this is who you are. You're a royal priesthood. And he says, now this is what you do. You serve. You serve. If I could go back to speak to 21-year-old Tom Finnemore, which I'd love to sometimes, because I was an intense, intense guy. Seriously. I wasn't a lot of fun to be around. I was a 22-year-old Christian man who'd moved to Sheffield and I played four chords on a guitar. I can still only play four chords on a guitar, but I was intense. And the intensity came from this. The wrong belief that if somehow 
I got the right ministry job, I'd be stepping into my calling. So I worked hard, folks, to find that ministry call. Oh, yeah, I contacted everybody I knew. And it didn't work out. So I came to Sheffield. Do yeah, Didn't want to be in Sheffield. Didn't like Sheffield. Wanted to be in London. Because as we know, <laughs> go to London, I guarantee you'll get mugged or not appreciated, as Alan Partridge once said. I believed at that point that God was calling me to work for a church called Holy Trinity Brompton, the home of Alpha. In my mind, me and Nicky were going to go out for coffees every day. And he was going to ask me some advice about Alpha. I was going to say, hey, Nicky, a couple of things. You... <laughs> I was living on another planet, folks. Honestly, I was not in the real world. That was the job that I wanted. That was the role. That was the what. I wasn't concerned with who I was going to become. It was all about what I was going to become. So first job I got, couldn't get a job. I wrote 110 letters and various applications to find jobs in Sheffield because I did a course at the time called Tribal Training. It's now called Interns. You think Interns is bad? Tribal Training. Don't put it on your CV because it generates a lot of conversation. Not always positive. So I got my first job was delivering leaflets for a company called Safeway. I hated that job. I was like, Lord, what am I doing here? I'm losing my hair. This is not cool. And you've got me delivering leaflets in the rain. God, this is not ministry. This is not what it's about. I know what it is. It's this, Lord. It's a platform. And it's down there in that there London. What are you doing to me? Where are you, God? You know, it, it went through my mind. Every leaflet was delivered with a deep joy, folks. I, I could fold leaflets like a pro, and everyone was folded with love and care. I missed the opportunities. I was not a royal, in the royal priesthood mentality. Oh, I was, get me out of here, God. This is not what you are calling me to do. Then I got a job working at Sheffield Cathedral with homeless people. That's better, because if you say that to people, they're generally impressed. The only issue is I was like the entry-level project worker, which means when there was one particular man who used to come and use the toilet and he didn't do his business in the toilet, he did it on the floor, I had to go and clear it up. And so I'd put stuff around my face and I was clearing it up and it was impressive. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. And as I cleared up, I was like, God, what are you doing to me? Where are you, God? Let's get on my clothes, Lord. Oh, this is disgusting. This isn't what it's about, Lord. It should be about fulfillment and personal satisfaction. And who are you anyway? Oh, it's all yours anyway. Some of you, or some of you, will be in a place where you think, God, what are you doing? Who you're becoming is more important than what you do. When, you, when it comes to um, your funeral, it's a bit depressing this, isn't it? No one really... I've done funerals over the years. No one really labours on your achievements. They talk about your character, what you were like, who you served, 
who you blessed. I think more and more there's so much pressure on younger people to work out what you're going to do. And I understand that because education is so expensive. So I've said that before. If I've hit a wound, I apologize in Jesus' name. But guys, let's not miss what it is the Spirit of God wants to do in who we're becoming in the midst of the process. And it seems to me that if we are going to be a genuine blessing to our city, if we're going to love our city, then we need to embrace the fact that we are his royal priesthood. That doesn't mean we go around in robes and dog cut. No, it doesn't, doesn't work like that. It means that we walk with an anointing and a calling, that we are made in his image, that he is restoring that back to us in the power of the Holy Spirit and through the blood of Jesus Christ. That tomorrow morning, whether you're in a job that you love or a job that you wish that God would get you out, and you're praying, God, get me out of this, and he's like, no, stay for a little longer because it's about who you're becoming, about not about what you're going to do. It's about becoming the royal priesthood, which means you're surrendering pride. It means picking up a homeless person's poo. Do you know what? Because that's the call to serve a city. It means maybe foregoing the move to that there London for a season to serve this city, the city that you find yourself in, like the call in Jeremiah. It means embracing the fact that God has a purpose, a vocation, a vacari for us. And it's to live with such difference and holiness, to be set apart, to be a blessing and bring life to the city. When I lived in Cambridge, in inner city Cambridge, and it was tough, folks, you know. The Lord got us through it. There's a beautiful man by the name of another guy called Will, actually. I do have other friends that aren't called Will, but for the benefit of the tape, these guys are called Will. Will worked at a, he had a, he had a, really, a, a really stressful job, and he had a team of people working around him. And he was really like, God, how do I really see a breakthrough in my workplace? He's just a great guy. And so he decided every Friday he would buy one of the kind of these kind of outside of his office was one of these kind of weird French bread vans, you know what I mean? No? Okay. That's so really good. So he bought coffees for all of his team and, and they just had a few moments where he sat around. And I remember one guy, he just said, how's everybody doing? And one guy said, oh, my wife, is, she was eight and a half months pregnant and um, he'd been tasked to sort out the house move and I think he did, this guy delayed it, and so they were moving to, with two weeks to go. That's a pretty stressful place to be in. And so as they're drinking coffees, Will just feels the Holy Spirit say, why don't you organize the house move? Because they ain't got a lot of money. So in that moment, he's organizing the house move. He's got his colleagues involved. And then they go the following weekend, and they all move this guy and his very, very pregnant wife into the house. And it was just, and, 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 and that Sunday he said, can I tell my story? So we, we, get, him, we get him up on, get him up the front, and he's a, he's a big tall guy, so it's like, and he tells his story, and he's like, do you know, I, did, I, I just bought coffee. And it changed the atmosphere. He bought coffee because he began to realize the Spirit of God was saying, you're actually called here to be a representative 
of the living God. It's what Peter calls a royal priesthood. Just simple chai lattes. What even is that, folks? What is it? Opens a conversation for somebody to say, do you know, this is why I'm struggling. And for him to say, this is how we can serve you. And so they set apart their own stuff. He had, he's got four kids, this guy. So I bet it went down well at home. I'm not here on Saturday. I'm moving house with some colleagues. Okay. And that's what they do. Just coffee. And, an, and the knowledge that he's set apart and he's different. And the call is to serve. Let's stand.